Psalm 57. If you're using a church Bible, the small print ones are on page 576, and the large print edition, the page is 829. If you're bringing your own Bible, you'll have to figure it out. (laughs) Psalm 57, a psalm that David wrote. Have mercy on me, my God, have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to God Most High, to God who vindicates me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. I am in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. This is God's word. Thanks, Kathy. Well, good evening, everyone. And can I um, echo Neil's warm welcome? If you're particularly, if you're a visitor or a friend, it's great to have you with us today. And I'm just going to spend a few minutes um, helping us to understand some of the things that come up in Psalm 57, which is a wonderful psalm. And I'm really pleased that Jackie's chosen this for tonight. Um, but as we do that, let's pray because we're not just going to understand this through our own intellect and wisdom. Um, God helps us understand his word. So let's pray that he would do that tonight. Father, I pray that you would take these words which you have spoken and which have been written down in the Bible and you would drive them deep into each of our hearts, that we would understand what they're saying and that we would know and feel the truth of them. Amen. Um, Earlier this week, I spoke to a friend of mine who's um, a, a pastor, a minister up in the Midlands, and we were just chatting about various things. And I remember he said to me, amongst lots of other things, I love baptisms. And just those words have been ringing in my ear all week, particularly because I've been thinking about Jackie's baptism today. But I think I could say that too. I love baptisms. And I'll tell you why. Because the vision of this church, what together we're all about, is to see lives changed by Christ. It's not just a sort of intellectual endeavor. It's something that together we really believe has happened Uh, can happen and there are all sorts of different people around this room who like Jackie tonight could testify to how God has transformed their lives and baptisms as, as Neil helpfully explained earlier is a way of representing what's already gone on in a person's heart when they are uh, telling other people testifying to the transforming work of God's love in their heart up on the screen there's a picture here this is a picture I took a couple of weeks ago when I was uh, in Israel, this is a place called En Gedi. 
This particular psalm, it's a song or a prayer written by a bloke called David. And he was on the run from another man who was really jealous of him and trying to kill him, a guy called Saul. And David would have fled to a pla- pla- lots of different places. And one of those places was the place on the screen behind me, En Gedi. It's one of the places the Bible describes as strongholds. And you can see in the cliffs, can't you, these little caves. This was definitely a place we know David went to. And possibly these were the caves that David himself hid in to save himself from being killed by Saul. And perhaps even in one of these caves, it was where David was praying to God and speaking some of the words that we read in Psalm 57. It would have been exactly like this. And the context of all this psalm is David on the run and experiencing desperate brokenness in his life. He's alone. He's afraid. He desperately wants relief. And in different ways, Jackie's testimony is speaking of difficulties in her life where she was crying out. Just look at how David in this psalm cries out. He says, I'm in the midst of lions. I'm forced to dwell amongst ravenous beasts. Now, no doubt at that time there were physical lions and beasts around. And there were a danger to David. We know that from other places in the Bible. But he goes on to say here, actually, the lions and beasts he's referring to in this psalm aren't animals. They're men. Men, he describes, who have teeth like spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path. Now, in each of our lives, all of us at different times, in different ways, to varying degrees, will face challenges, won't we? And perhaps you're living through a challenge right now. And the natural way of responding to challenge, it's a human way that's been built right within us because we've been made in the image of God. What do we do when we face challenge? We cry out. We cry out against the challenge. We, we look for relief. We look to sort of get away from the challenge and the struggle. We seek to understand it because then maybe we can avoid it. But both relief and understanding ultimately doesn't get to the root of the problem, does it? Because you're facing a challenge and you deal with that one, what's going to be around the corner? Another challenge, another problem. We're living in a, in a fallen, broken world. And it's normal human experience to face difficulty. Just like David recalls in this psalm. And just as Jackie has shared something of her life this evening. But I want to encourage us tonight just with three brief and really glorious truths that you see in this psalm to help us. And here's the first one. This psalm teaches us that God longs for every one of us to know him. Uh, When you experience challenges and difficulties in life, you experience these things because you and I are living in a broken world. Um, But the broken world is a symptom, actually, of something far deeper, a broken relationship. When you struggle, when you face difficulties in the world, that's not just fate the way it is. All of the brokenness that you uh, experience in your life is actually the result of a broken relationship with the God who made you. I just recall something that Jackie began her testimony with. These were her words. In the beginning, the issue for me was not a question of, is there a God? But more like, do I need God? So for large parts of her life, like many, many people for large parts of their life, going through life thinking, maybe there is a God. And if there is, though, what difference is he going to make in my life? Is he relevant to me? But then when life gets difficult... And I took a funeral only this week. And no doubt there were loads of people there who would say, oh, God doesn't exist. Or if he does, I'm not bothered by him. But when push comes to shove and you're faced with the reality of death, 
So many people at that funeral were utterly lost. They didn't know what they thought. They didn't know what they believed. And they were desperately looking for hope. And we've all experienced that as we've said goodbye to people we love. So Jackie said in her testimony, I didn't think I need God. But later she said, she cried out to a good friend and just said these words, I just want someone to love me. There's not a single person in this room who wouldn't say that's true for themselves, I don't believe. None of us want to not be loved. It's the strongest emotion any human being can feel, isn't it? To be loved and long to be loved. So what Jackie is crying out in a moment of difficulty is actually characteristic of all of our lives. We all desperately want to be loved. And yet what she has experienced is that God has met her in her brokenness. And she testified herself, didn't she? Of taking refuge in him. And there we have it up on the screen. I took refuge in him. The great tragedy for so many people in our world is that people don't look to God for refuge. Either because they're ignorant of God, don't understand who God is, have no understanding of the incredible love that God has for them. Or maybe even ignorant of ourselves. I don't think I need God in my life because I'm self-sufficient and I can cope. So there's ignorance that works both ways, but also sometimes it's being scared of God, perhaps having a degree of shame in our life. Why would God ever be interested in me? I'm not lovable. And many, many people feel that too. But that ignorance and being scared of God is broken in that moment of recognition where we see in verse 1 there, we come to God and we cry out to him. Just like David did in the psalm, Lord, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And what does that look like to receive the mercy of God? The psalmist describes it with a really lovely picture. And this is what Jackie just spoke of. Her favorite verse. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings. You imagine a a kind of bird, I don't know, a big eagle or something. And there's a little chick nestled up under the eagle. And the eagle puts the great big wing around the chick. And they're warm. And they're safe and they're secure. And they're not afraid of anything. Uh, But I'm not a chick, you're not a chick, we're not eagles. It may be a difficult thing to kind of grasp. So I'm going to illustrate it with something slightly different, but it means the same thing. Now, any of the young people here, do any of you like your bed? Pop your hand up if you like your bed. Grace, you had your hand up very quickly. Do you like your duvet? Can you just come and stand on this chair for me? I'm not going to embarrass you or ask you to do anything. I just want you to stand on this chair. This is a very big duvet. And all I'm going to do is wrap you up in it, okay? Do you want to face the front so everyone can see you? It's a very big duvet. There we go. Now, can you just tell me, how do you feel to be snugly wrapped up in a massive great duvet? You feel good. And you know what it's like when you talk about having a duvet morning. When life gets really tough, when you really can't face the world, what do you do? You lift the duvet up even higher, and you just do that, don't you? You snuggle up under your duvet. Well, that there is really an illustration of what the psalmist is saying in this psalm about taking shelter under the shadow of God's wing. Thank you, Grace. Well done. (laughs) Friends, what God does is when we come to him in our brokenness, he so loves us that he wraps us up in a giant duvet of his arms and says, I love you. And you're safe with me. 
and you're secure with me and I'll never, ever, ever let you go. And it's like a permanent duvet moment because you are wrapped up in the love of God. And every one of us has a longing to be loved. And we will experience love in this world, but it will never be perfect. But there is a perfect love that you and I can all experience. It's the love that only God can give, where he wraps us up in his arms and says, I made you and I love you. And I'll do this for every single person I created. So God longs for us to each know him. But what this psalm goes on to explain is that this relationship with God begins when we cry out to him. We've already looked at one verse that speaks of it, but look at how verse 2 carries on. David, the psalmist, in his brokenness says, I cry out. And that's normal human experience, isn't it? When we face difficulty, we cry out. But here's the thing that sets apart human experience from Christian human experience. Every one of us, when we face difficulties, will cry out. But what does the Christian do? I cry out to God Most High. If you don't know God Most High, how can you cry out to him? you don't know who he is but when you know God and you recognize who he is crying out to him is the best thing in the world because you're crying out to someone who actually cares you're crying out to someone who can do something about the brokenness and the experiences you're going through and notice what happens when I cry out to God to God most high The verse goes on and says, it is he who vindicates me. That's a funny little phrase. Literally, it could mean he fulfills his purposes for me. If I live life my own way and I I just say to God, shove off, I have no idea what his purposes for my life are. So I have to figure it out for myself. But when I come to know how loved I am by God and I become connected to him again in relationship, when I ask for forgiveness and come back into relationship with him, suddenly... My life does have a purpose. And it's not a purpose I give it. It's a purpose he gives it. And he's the one who created each of us. Jackie, I want to encourage you. God has a plan for your life. Amazing plan. And every single person in here, that's true of as well. God has a plan for your life. Every single person. There's no one in here who's not lovable. There's no one who's useless and can't be used by God. Every single person here can be used by God. But to be used by God and to begin this relationship, do you see in our passage, it begins with rescue, doesn't it? Because David the psalmist says, he, God, sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and faithfulness. There are tons and tons of people who have no idea how loved they are by God. There are tons of Christians who have no idea how loved they are by God. None of us really have grasped the depth of his love. And we haven't fully grasped the depth of his faithfulness. God who always keeps his promises. But God isn't a God who just says he's a God of love, who says he's a God of faithfulness. He's a God who proves it. Because he didn't just stay distant when we were cut off from him. He actually entered time and space in the person of his son. He came into the world, into the muck of our lives like the psalm says, to wrap us up in the great duvet of his love. Think about God the Son on the cross. God who has existed as Father, Son and Spirit for all of eternity, but for one time in history, that unity and that relationship is broken apart. What is it the Son cries out on the cross? 
my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The only person who ever lived who didn't deserve to be forsaken by God. The only person who's always loved God perfectly. The only person who understands perfectly the love of God and the faithfulness of God. And yet he hung on a cross because he so loves you and he's so faithful to you. And he so loves me and he's so faithful to me. And here's the extraordinary thing. On the cross where Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken or abandoned me? God the Father chose in that moment not to hear his son's cry. And the son took all the full weight of God's anger, right anger at our rebellion upon himself. But he did it because he loves us. But the father chose not to hear the son's cry. And this is the most amazing thing. Why? So that when you or I cry out to God, he will hear our cry. And that is the most astonishing news of the Christian gospel. Just for anyone who's here who hasn't yet put your trust in the Lord Jesus, I'm going to tell you something that might shock you a little bit. Christianity is not a religion. God hates religion. You might be surprised. God hates religion. Why? Because religion is all about all the good things that I do to make God happy with me. Do I do more good than bad? If I do, maybe God will accept me. God hates all of that because I can never be good enough by trying harder. The Christian faith is not about religion. It's all about a relationship. A relationship which God initiates. A relationship which God continues. And a relationship in which you and I can feel the most secure that we've ever felt. So if that's you, I just want to encourage you, don't leave here tonight not accepting that relationship for yourself because there's a loving God who longs to forgive you and give you a fresh start, just as he's done for Jackie. One final comment, and this is really to encourage you, Jackie. This psalm also teaches us that transformed lives don't, or perhaps more accurately, can't keep quiet. I just want to encourage you with this, Jackie. Uh, I, I've loved getting to know Jackie a little bit, um, spending time with you and with Kathy. It's been absolutely brilliant. And uh, something that made me really laugh uh, two times ago when I met up with Jackie, uh, when she first came and put her trust in Jesus, they came around and we chatted and I gave her a little booklet I always give to people who come become Christians. It's a little booklet that helps explain the Christian faith and uh, what prayer is and how to read the Bible. And she came up to me after two or three weeks and go, thanks for that little booklet. We've already worked through it. Can I have something more meaty, please? And I just thought I was class, because here's a person who's come to understand God, but wants to grow in her relationship with God. So I've got you a present. It's a bit more meaty. (laughs) But that will help you to grow in your relationship with God. But to encourage you as you go, look at how the psalm closes. Because a person who has so experienced the love of God and had a life that has been so transformed by him, this is how David himself responded and how I'm encouraging you, Jackie, to respond. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. When you come to experience the love of God, and when you are wrapped up in the duvet of his love, it is unlike any other love that you could ever experience anywhere. And the only thing you can do is tell other people about it. And we're going to encourage you, Jackie, to do that as you continue walking with him day by day. May God bless you.